0: hyper-competition, the Godzilla problem, and the new customer experience. Now, bank CEOs are probably losing a lot of sleep right now, and if they're winning awards, they're probably in double trouble. You see, only very recently, three entrants cast their hat into the ring to apply for a digital license here in Singapore. They were Razer, my son, my 14-year-old son's favorite youth gaming brand that makes Mouse pads and mouses and things that glow on your gaming PC. They have 50 million accounts across the region. Grab, the taxi ride sharing platform, has 550 million accounts across Southeast Asia. And Ant Financial, well, the owner of Alipay is the second largest payment platform in the world. Three, entered the banking market. Three non-banks. And if you look, if you go down to Singapore Bayfront, now Singapore Bayfront is very beautiful and you can stand there. It's all reclaimed land. If you stand where Marina Bay Sands is and turn your back to Marina Bay Sands, and look back at CBD, the Central Business District, you can see 20 or so banks. They're all tall, thin tower blocks jammed in, shoulder to shoulder, next to each other, UBS, UOB, ANZ, DBS, they all even sound the same. They look the same, sound the same, and even have the same three letters in their name. And that was okay, because for years, banks relied on customer inertia. Changing bank was hard work Awkward even. But after the virus, why do I need to go to a branch? In three years, we could be banking with a taxi company. Just the other day, I went to a bank here in Singapore, and it wasn't a three-letter bank. It was a four-letter bank, an Asian bank. Well, Asian stroke UK-based bank will give you an indication of who they may be. And I went there and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to access my online account. To do that, I have to go to the bank here in Singapore and hand in a paper form to change my telephone number, which they will fax. They will fax at best and mail at worst to the other bank in a different country to change my online number, online phone number. Now, the whole system is designed to be awkward because awkward stops you leaving. They're making it difficult at every stage. They're trying to break the customer experience to keep you walled in. It's the mindset. The mindset is that if we compete on the basis of protecting our market, then also we must protect our customers. It's an asymmetrical business model, which is that if we can stop customers getting out, then we can survive, we can grow. And that's why it's designed to be difficult. And yet you have these brands like Razor and Grab and Ant Financial who play a different game. They play an entirely different game, which is how do we solve awkward? And this is the new customer experience. Because if you imagine customer experience is organized traditionally by category, vertically. Today, customer experience is organized horizontally. What do I mean? Vertical customer experience is Comparison or benchmarking within category? We are UBS. Are we better than DBS? Are we better than ANZ? Are we better than HSBC, OCBC, UOB? Because if we're better, we win awards. And the measure of our success is by the number of awards that we're going to win. And yet Razor and Grab and Ant Financial won't be going to the annual banking industry awards. They're not invited and they don't dine at the same hawker centers or restaurants that the executives from UBS, DBS, ANZ, HSBC, OCBC, UOB dine at. In fact, they don't walk or talk like these bankers. The CEO staring out of her window is worried what the competition is doing thinking about that award but she is all the while unaware of godzilla looming on the horizon as he emerges from the ocean your comp- your competitors your category competition that vertical benchmarking are the least of your worries today it's godzilla you should be worried about He doesn't play by the same rules. He doesn't care about awards. You know, if you think about it, the winners of this new customer experience won't be the insurance companies with the most sales reps or the airlines that fly the most planes or the banks that have the most retail branches or win the most awards. It will be the companies that solve the most company, solve the most customer problems. and if that's a taxi company, then that's a taxi company. I don't care. If they can provide a better payment system for me than the bank, then I will go with them because they have my data, they have my payment details already and I trust them. Jeffrey Handley. A friend of mine who knows a little bit about the Chinese and Asian startup ecosystem being based in Shanghai and having exited a number of businesses, investor and founder, and now fund manager himself, said of Chinese players entering the global markets that China might not be part of your plans, but you're certainly part of China's plans. That's the end of asymmetry. Consider for example, Ping An Financial, an insurance company from China that now offers healthcare. It promises to get you a doctor's appointment in one minute. One minute. What kind of an insurance company thinks like that? It's an insurance company that thinks about solving the problem, not locking in customers and creating inertia to prevent them leaving. So now we live in this market where everybody can play. We have platforms, you go to a hawker center, you can get food delivered by the same delivery driver, the same hawker stalls, the same app, the same customers, the same AI algorithms, powering everything. All that's left is people and stories. All the barriers to entry that banks Airlines, insurance companies once competed for are gone. You know, I don't need to be an airline to offer a travel experience anymore. I don't need to be a hotel, a chain to offer accommodation. I don't need to be General Motors or Ford to get you from A to B. Look at what Uber and Grab have done. They've simply unlocked the underutilized fixed assets within the system. Now they know that the open market is better at solving problems than the company department. And that is a problem because the whole model of business that we operate from today is based out of this idea that we are more efficient if we pull our resources into a company department. We pull people, we pull information inside this functional structure called a department. And yet now, look, if I want to go down to Marina Bay Sands and look at those banks, I just have to pick up my phone, call, grab And I'm there in 17 minutes. I don't need to buy a car. I don't need to insure the car. I don't need to tax the car. I don't need to fuel the car. I don't need to take driving lessons. I don't need to work seven months of a year to pay for enough after-tax income to buy a car to drive to work. Because we're not even going to work anymore. Work isn't a place. It's what we do everything is changing and this is key in customer experience because customer experience has always been defined by being best in category and therefore the CMOs and the CEOs always looked at the other guy and compared to them benchmarked but benchmarking is no longer effective look at transfer wise TransferWise, which was started by one of the early employees, if not founders, of Skype. TransferWise has reduced its fees on currency transfers 17 times in the last 12 months. Their CEO says one day they'll eliminate fees entirely, only making their money on the currency spread. If you look at the transfer wise model, look at how it works compared to traditional banking system. The traditional banking system is designed with inertia at every single step of the process of the customer journey. It's designed to break. If I want to transfer money to India, how do I do that? Do I go to my bank? I send the money, I have to write a physical form on a bit of paper so I have to spend half a day going to the bank faxing it send the money and then I just wait two weeks later nothing happens the person on the other side doesn't get the money that's a negative customer experience the money is lost in the system only then do I get a message saying that the payment has been withheld for some reason the system is designed to prevent people leaving. So by the same mindset that prevents people leaving, it creates barriers at all levels in the customer experience. As they say, if the only tool in your kit is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And in this context, in the digital era where we live in symmetrical markets where there are few barriers to entry, we still have companies approaching the problem of customer experience with the proverbial hammer. How do we prevent people leaving? How do we create barriers at every single level, every single step of the customer journey? TransferWise thinks differently. You see, when you send money to another country by TransferWise, it doesn't actually send the money through the traditional banking system. If I'm in Singapore and I want to send money to India, I don't have to go to the local retail branch, fill out a form and then send it. And the money doesn't physically or digitally get transmitted from A to B. What happens in transfer wise is there is a pot in A and there is a pot in B and the money is added to the pot in A and subtracted from the pot in B arbitrage. No money is actually sent from A to B. It bypasses the physical digital banking system entirely and bypasses all the barriers and breakpoints that banking has created to wall people in the customer experience. What kind of a bank thinks like that? In the early days, Netflix mailed DVDs in the post, believe it or not. Reed Hastings, the founder of Netflix, asked why did he have to pay late fees when he brought a movie back to Blockbuster, the then physical retail-based rental movie store. Blockbuster is no longer. Because Blockbuster was built on a physical model, like offices were built on a physical model, the tail wags the dog. Because we have a physical office, we need people to come to it. Because people need to come to the office, they need to buy cars. Because they need to buy cars, they need to spend seven months of the year working to afford a car. We need to pay them double. In 2009, Netflix shifted strategy it offered 1 million dollars to anyone that could write a better algorithm to recommend movies and bellcore pragmatic chaos as they were called a coding team won that prize in 2009 netflix was trading at $5.85 a share and it had traded in that range for around about five years. It had made no significant moves because there was no significant upside. Analysts were underwhelmed. What followed was the beginning of Netflix's meteoric rise. In 2014, Netflix crossed $40. By 2018, 10 times at $400, retreating to the 300s where it trades today. Netflix started out asking why? Why do we need to charge late fees when everybody else is doing? Well, the reason is the tail wags the dog. We need to charge late fees because we are physically limited. We are a physical offline DVD rental company. If you have that DVD, I can't have it. So if you overstay and keep it one extra week, I can't rent it. The tail wags the dog. It's called functional fixedness. It defines company departments. It defines customer experience. Because you have a vault in your bank which is locked and people entrust you with that money, keeping it Under lock and key, your whole model is built around stopping people accessing assets. But Netflix asked why. What kind of an entertainment thought company thought like that? They said, Well, why do we need to do it physically? Why can't we offer this online? And now Netflix is one of the world's biggest media, entertainment companies. Challengers redefine markets. They redefine markets not because they introduce some new kind of technology, but they attack the problem of awkward. They look at what the pain point is and lean into it. This is the pain. We have the data. Let's fix it. Look at Amazon. Alibaba nobody accepts 28 days for delivery anymore in the old days if you sent mail order a t-shirt or maybe even a vinyl record back then you sent a check and then 28 days later you got a letter back saying sorry it's out of stock that was how it was until somebody came along and said why why does it have to be like this In physics, this is called phase transition. You see, water changes state from solid to liquid from 31 degrees Celsius to 32 degrees Celsius. It's rapid. It's phase transition. It's a small but irrevocable change in form. Once you, you know, the difference between minus 64 and 31 degrees Celsius is no different in form, but it's much, much smaller than the rapid phase transition between 31 and 32 degrees Celsius where ice melts and becomes water. There is no going back. And we're seeing that in customer experience today. So what do customers want? This is the question that people ask. What do customers want today? Famously, Steve Jobs said, customers don't know what they want. But what he was really saying was, customers know what they don't want. You know, Steve Jobs, when he presented the iPhone, presented what customers didn't want. They didn't want phones with keyboards. They didn't want phones with knobs and buttons on them. That's what they didn't want. He was very clear about what customers didn't want. That was the awkward that Apple solved and you too can solve that problem nobody wanted sliced bread before somebody invented it so it's quite clear that customers didn't know what they wanted customers didn't say i want sliced bread it didn't happen but what happened was people were changing habits were changing. If you look at when sliced bread was invented around the late 1920s by the Chili Coth Baking Company, they invented sliced bread machines and they called it the greatest step in the baking industry since bread was wrapped. But people didn't get it. What was happening though at the time was Americans were transitioning Americans were changing. They were taking packed lunches to work for the first time. You know, people started working in offices and in factories. They didn't have time to slice and clean up. Americans were now living in electrical lighting. They were working longer hours. They weren't existing in the same kind of routines that they they used to. They were busy. They were focused on work. So they knew now that what they didn't want was mess. They didn't have time for this. They didn't want to have big chunky loaves of bread. that couldn't fit in their lunch boxes. So they knew what they didn't want. And so when somebody came along with sliced bread, It wasn't about, oh, this is cool. This was about, this is solving awkward. I have this problem. I just don't have time to clean up my kitchen now because I'm working these crazy hours. Until people saw sliced bread, people didn't know they wanted it. And customers don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. And this is what we need to do in new customer experience is lean into the pain I call this in the human communication playbook, user storytelling, empathizing with problems. What is the problem? Let me walk in your shoes and understand the problem better. Customers didn't know they wanted Google. They knew simply that they didn't want noisy search directories like Yahoo. And customers didn't know they wanted transfer-wise. They knew they didn't want slow and expensive remittances. customers didn't know they wanted Netflix they knew they didn't want late fees and limited movies too often we think about customer experience redefines as that quote-unquote killer app but the new customer experience doesn't come from innovation it comes from infiltration getting into the heart and the mind of our customers, building a picture of them, building a dialogue with them, and understanding their pain. It comes from learning problems and telling stories about that. Think of that word, awkward, paying a driver in a car, taxi with cash is awkward. Losing coins down the back of the seat is awkward. Having to have a negotiation with the taxi driver or paying a tip is awkward. Explaining where you need to be dropped off and driving round and round the block or taking a wrong turn or getting stuck in traffic is awkward. Applying for a home loan at a bank is awkward. Waiting, spending your lunch hour is awkward. Asking a girl out for a date is awkward. Visiting your doctor is awkward. A job interview is awkward. Many things in our lives are awkward. And there is a lot of money to be made in solving awkward. That word awkward itself comes from the old Norse meaning upside down or back to front, awkward, back to front. Turning problems into learning opportunities is solving awkward. Telling customer stories is solving awkward. Collecting data and getting permission to solve another problem is awkward, solving awkward, sorry. And that's effectively what it is. If you think about these taxi companies, these ride-sharing companies, or airlines, or transmit—you know, electronic transmitters—all they're doing is taking people from A to B, and in the process, collecting data C. That data gives me permission to solve another problem that you have, and that is the new customer experience. It's not defined by category, i.e., function. It's defined by customer competence it's not about being number one bank it's about being the number one across all categories in a symmetrical world where hyper competition is the norm the goal isn't to build a competitive understanding of the product the goal isn't to build competitive products the world has changed we're not focused on finding customers for our products. We now should be focused on finding products for our customers, because you have the data and you have the permission. We are now competing in a symmetrical world We are now competing not on asymmetrical competition, but hyper-competition. We are now not competing in category, but cross-category. We are now not competing with other banks, but we are competing with airlines and taxi companies and insurance companies. In this symmetrical world, hyper-competition is the norm. The goal isn't to build competitive products, but to build a competitive understanding of your customer's problems.